so much for that. Uh, I guess I'll have to use the, the tape of, of the center. So I'm excited to be here. How are you folks? Yeah, it's good. It's, I'm glad to see so many people out here on the beginning of the year. Um, I should suspect that most of you are not Trump supporters, so, uh, but who knows? Um, I think it's great. I, I tend to teach the the, the um, programs that that begin a new cycle. Like I usually try to be the first one in September and the first one um, in the new year. And and I think it's good to recognize that it's a beginning, a new beginning. We start over again. And so for some of us, um, it doesn't really matter what happened in the past or what might happen in the future, all that we have is now. And I'm just curious to see how many folks are here for the first time. Okay. So we got a few. Okay. How many people are new to meditation? Okay, great. Okay. So how many people who are new to meditation uh, was at the sitting? Okay. And you survived. <laughs> so that's, that's good. So it's probably appropriate that I have this title, um, Persistence, the sustained effort uh, that's necessary to induce faith, because you really need a little faith if you really are interested in, in focusing on the here and now and allowing each unfolding moment to to arise uh, and not knowing what that means or, or what the consequences of that are. And so I, I think that for me, just a little background, I, I work with a lot of individual clients and one of the things that I've been contemplating the last several months is this idea of of what you know, what what allows people to sustain the effort and to hang in there because we live in a society now where it's instant gratification or you know you get things immediately there used to be a time I used to do this what I call a mental strengths assessment I used to work with student athletes that I work with or athletes and I used to have them fill out the form and then I had to fax it to the guy that developed the profile and then maybe in a couple of weeks I get I get a reply, and then I'd have to go through it. And now uh, the way it works is they go online, they fill it out, and as soon as they submit it, I have a copy of it. It's like, just like that. And so there's some benefits to that, but I also think that there's some drawbacks to that because we can develop this expectation that things should happen immediately, if not sooner. So we have to really understand that that. If we're going to be successful at most of life's endeavors, we have to be able to sustain attention. We have to be able to persist or, and to continue to keep on keeping on. And so I think that, that what it's challenged me to reflect on this even more has been that I was working with this one individual client, and there's so much stuff out there or so much material I mean, you can go online, you can go to Google, there's multiple books, any kind of media you want, audiobooks, uh, DVDs, YouTube, um, TED Talks. There's a tremendous amount of stuff out there or, or material. And 
I'm working with clients and I'm offering them eight or nine ways of do- getting to the same place and none of those ways are working. And, and one of the things that, uh, and it's interesting because when, when I'm working with somebody and, you know, you have this relationship where they're, they're paying you or paying me to work with them and uh, they're, not, they're not getting results and, you know, we live in a consumer um, society and if you notice, some of the highest ranked programs are the ones that we just sit back and watch people live, that there's, we're losing this idea of taking personal responsibility and realizing that maybe, maybe I'm responsible more than I'm letting on. And maybe I have to persist in doing something. I have to find a way. I have to find the courage, the faith, the wherewithal to continue to apply or continue to do what I'm doing and, and having, a, uh, having that ability to stay with it until things change instead of looking at it and say, okay, it's been, I've been meditating for 15 minutes and I don't, you know, nothing's changed. <laughs> you know, I've been meditating 10 years or I just started meditating and okay, so when's enlightenment going to happen? You know, and this is an old joke about the guy that goes to his master and say, you know, if I meditated uh, every day, if I meditated for 10 years, five years or every day for five years, how long would it take me to be enlightened? And I forget what the answer was, but it might have been like 20, 30 years. But, you know, each time he said longer, basically what the master was saying to him is you can't approach it like that. It doesn't work like that. Things happen when they happen. And so this idea of really understanding when we get involved in something, how do we sustain the effort necessary to get, get to, to achieve a, a result? And so I kind of took some notes. So to me, it's really obvious that you need courage because courage is something you need when, when you're dealing with, with the unknown. And what, what I'm really asking, what we're really asking ourselves to do, and this is interesting because when I wrote my book, the Mindful Athlete's Secrets to Pure Performance, one of the things that was really clear to me was the fact that we needed more power. Our basic dilemma was a lack of power or a lack of having the energy needed to look at, at ourselves and to continue to persist and to make a commitment to what we want to do and then stay with it until we get the result. We want, and so for me, it was really obvious that we had to figure out how to uh, have access to power. And it turns out that we have what we call the, the five spiritual powers in this practice, and they have to do with mindfulness. Which is everybody talks about mindfulness, and mindfulness is is mindful everything right now, and it's like it's a cure all. But I'm here to tell you, mindfulness by itself is not enough. There's people talk about mindfulness in a way that they used to talk about Zen when I first came around. He said, you know that Zen stuff, and it's convenient because you say Zen and you don't have to say anymore <laughs> because you really don't want to get into conversation. So how are you going to talk about something you can't talk about? How are you going to aim at something or, or, or have something that's intangible make it tangible? And so mindfulness has gotten that, that catch-all. But what I like to say is when I talk about mindfulness, I'm talking about mindfulness that's, that's supported by those spiritual powers. Mindfulness that's, that is supported by faith, because you haven't have enough faith to even make the effort. 
and you have to make the effort to be mindful. And then once you're mindful, then you can start to develop some steadiness of mind or some concentration. And then when you get concentration, the idea is to really be able to uh, really contemplate or to um, observe. Because to contemplate means to look at repeatedly or to look at closely so you can observe experience and actually get information or actually learn some wisdom. And I like to talk about wisdom in three ways. One way I talk about wisdom is information, because we really need to know what we're doing or what's the right idea, what's the concept. We talk about intellect, ability to reflect and think about things intellectually. And then the third thing is, is to have a direct experience or in, intuitive knowing of what's going on. So I would say one of the things we're trying to achieve here is we have teachings and then we want to have the subjective experience of the teaching because the Buddha said, don't believe what I say. See if it's true in your own experience. So it's an inside job. You have to look within to be able to do this. And so when we talk about how do we sustain effort so that we induce or enhance uh, faith, well, we have a couple of things here that I think are really important. And one of them is what we call good friends and suitable conversation. So in this tradition, good friends could be teachers. It could be um, yogis on the, on, on the other yogis on the path. Or it could be the sangha, you know, a collective group of people sitting trying to do the same thing. And so having good friends is really important. Or having someone you could talk to or a group of people you could talk to about what's going on. And yet, you know, and there's safety, there's there's a willingness for people to be vulnerable enough to share their experience, strength, and hope, to be vulnerable enough to tell you something that you might not be able to hear, but to say it in a way where they mean what they say, but they're not mean when they're saying it. So good friends is really important because you can't do this alone, although there is an internally going alone, but having other people you can talk about will help be really helpful. The second thing is um, suitable conversation. So suitable conversation is really comes down to the teachings. It really comes down to what we do here is we have to, one way we can achieve faith is by taking refuge in the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha. And so one of the things, so the Buddha was a person just like us. We have Buddha nature. We have a divine spark. We have a masterpiece within. That we, these teachings are a way to, I would say, chip away to allow it to express itself so it's not something we have to go get or say that something's wrong with us. It's really a matter of getting rid of the obstructions or removing the obstructions or chipping away at the outer shell that, that's there so that we can get have access to that Buddha nature, Christ consciousness, whatever your, your view of the universe is, that there's something there. And so we have that Buddha nature. It's there. We don't have to, we don't have to go and purchase it or ask somebody for it, it's there, but we have to, that's why it's an inside job, because only we can do it. Uh, only we can go inside, only we know what's there and how to figure out how to have the subjective experience of what the teachings of the Dhamma is about. So when the Buddha really taught, he says, you know, I teach uh, suffering and end of suffering, or he says, what he says is do good, avoid evil, and purify the heart and mind. So those are kind of like marching orders. Those are things that we can, we can work on. And so, so there's the teachings, uh, Buddha, the Dhamma, then the Sangha, or good friends, or the community that helps us with that. And so when we talk about why, 
you know, wise reflection because one of the way, one of the things we're trying to do here is we're trying to uh, clarify our perceptual process or the perceptual process. So the the cognitive training that that's involved here is really is initially having some what we call some wise reflection on the fact that things are impermanent. That everything is always changing. And then we have to reflect also on the idea that that because things are changing, there's suffering. So there's no way of getting around suffering. So if you came here to be not experience suffering, good luck with that one. But there's suffering, then there's a cause, understanding what causes suffering. And in this case, we usually talk about ignorance, which is obvious, but also uh, grasping and clinging so that the antidote to that is letting go, renunciation, generosity. And then the third thing is, uh, when I came around here, they used to call it no self, and uh, that's, uh, that's a conundrum, that one, because you can get into a thing about, well, if there's no self, who's meditating, and then you get into all of these philosophical things that it, 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 it um, kind of reminds me of the dog chasing his tail, not saying that we're dogs or anything, I'm just saying that, you know, chasing his tail, so I like to use the idea of the illusion of separateness. So we have this illusion that we're separate, that we're not connected, and that what we do does not affect us or others, and that, that we are in, we're in this network of relationships, and we share the planet, and, and it's really important to understand that as we, that's one of the issues is when we have this idea of separateness, it creates fear, doubt, and insecurity, and also can get to a point where we can be really harmful to other folks and not realizing that it's harming us or that it has an impact. And so we can get into this uh, divisiveness uh, or this duality. And so the idea is, can we understand that we are all connected? It's interesting because I had an experience when I first came here years ago uh, downstairs when the meditation hall used to be where the, where the dining room is. And I was sitting there and I was fairly new to practice and I sat down, and everybody disappeared. Took me a long time to figure that one out. But I said, where'd they go? <laughs> and they didn't go anywhere. It was just that we were just, I just, it was just one, one mind, one breath. And that's what I do when I work with teams is really talking about that concept of one mind, one breath, that we're all together. How can we interact with each other in a way where we value differences, but we also value our, our humanity, our, our Buddha nature? Our uh, 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 goodness, and so, so when we talk about um, suitable conversations and talking about the teachings, how do we talk about the teachings in a way where we're saying, okay, here are the teachings. How do we apply them? How can we use them? How can we talk about them in a way that enhances, encourages us, encourages us to to continue to sustain effort, encourages us to share our experience, strength, and hope, and by doing that, people start to see, okay, well. Uh, I see that person, you know, they're changing and they're getting something. Maybe, maybe it's possible for me to do the same. And so we talk about that stuff. So one of my, my um, things that I want to do, one of my intentions is to talk about mindfulness in a way where we're getting out of mindfulness is when we're just sitting in silence, but that mindfulness and wisdom and effort and, and, and poise or concentration and in understanding or wisdom, these are things that we can practice. 
these are concepts we can be in touch with from the time we go to the wake up until the time we go to sleep. That we can look at our mind and say, okay, is the mind wholesome or is it unwholesome? Is there fear in the mind? Is there um, ill will in the mind? Um, is there confusion in the mind? So that we start to understand what kind of attitude we have, what kind of inner dialogue we're having. We start to talk, think about these things. And so when we think about sustaining effort, what are some of the things that prevent us from sustaining effort? We, we have a name for them around here. We call them the five hindrances. You know, we have the sensual desire, and, you know, it's like, you know, it's like that's the only thing that exists, you know, and you can tell because the nervous system is, doesn't discriminate. If it's, if it's pleasant, it's going to move towards, it's going to approach, and if it's unpleasant, it's going to avoid, and if it's neither, it's going to space out. It's not interested in anything, so it's just chilling. And so we have to understand. Now, there is a way of just being still and being centered, but there's an interest and there's a, a, a deliberate not moving towards or not moving away. And we call that poise, equanimity. We can develop that. So that's the difference between spacing out and this indifference. There's no there's dullness of mind. The mind is not aware of what's going on. It's not able to see clearly exactly what is going on, because to the degree that we can see clearly what's going on, there's an ability to have some ease, some peace, and to really see what's going on in a deep way so that we're not reacting uh, to things, so that we're able to create space between stimulus and response. So in that space, we have the freedom and power to choose, and we can, in that space, we can decide, okay, another thing we talk about here is the precepts or, you know, not a harming. And so in that space, even though we might feel like, oh, we won't, you know, that person, I'm just going to leave it. I won't get too technical. But let's just say somebody left the cookies out and there's a desire for me to take the cookie, but it's not mine. And I say, okay, so I could take the cookie, but no, I'm not going to take the cookie. So because not to take was not given. Now, and I use a cookie, but we can go with anything on that one. But it's the idea of understanding. So what happens when we don't steal, we don't lie, we don't harm each other, we don't get involved in taking intoxicants to the, to the degree that we're in, you know, that we don't have any inhibitions and there's, there's usually some suffering around alcohol and drugs, especially in the home, especially around abuse. There's, that seems to be a key ingredient. So if we can Keep the five precepts, you know, not killing, not stealing, not lying or involved, engaged in, in uh, wrong speech. You're not getting involved in intoxicants, not getting involved in misconduct, whether it's sexual or otherwise, that's harmful, that we create a safety. And that I'm, I'm fond of saying this, that one of the things about the precepts, understanding uh, the Four Noble Truths, understanding having right view and right intention, non-harming, and then having the morality that it allows us to be mindful, it allows us to be more concentrated. Because I guarantee you, if you go down and rob this door 24 and come in here and try to meditate, that's going to be interesting. <laughs> Especially every time you hear a siren or any time somebody comes through the door, that there's going to be something. Now, that's obvious, but there's some stuff we do like maybe we have ill will towards somebody or we, or we know we did something. And, and because when you get still and quiet... You start to see there's a knowing there that says, well, that's not quite right. But that still small voice can be easily drowned out. And that's why when we be still and knowing, we sit, 
what I'm asking people to do, I'm really, I'm really aware of this. I'm asking people to sit down and, and look at their stuff and look at how they're causing suffering for themselves and others. That's what I'm asking. But it's only by seeing that they were able to understand how to alleviate that suffering. We start to understand how it arises and how it passes away, how when we have anger in the mind, how we're able to abandon the anger. And if we have frustration in the mind or we have doubt in the mind, which is very paralyzing, that we're able to say, oh, there's doubt in the mind and here's a skillful way of uh, letting it be or letting go of it. And so that's, that's, what we're, that's what the charge is. And so if we want to be persistent, if we want to be able to do something, then we, gotta, we have to really understand that effort has to do with energy <coughs> and that we want to create a kind of effort which I call... Um, I call it making the right effort. This is interesting. This, this was um, so making the right effort. Making the right effort is a process that leads to the steady, enthusiastic, poised engagement of any beneficial activity. So I was, I was kind of contemplating writing this book about right effort, and that's when I wrote the other book, um, which I must say it took me twenty years to write a book. So persistent, sustained effort is really important. <laughs> And, you know, there's hope for everybody. <laughs> um, so it's understanding, well, how do we do that? Well, we have to have that, that mind that, that is positive, that is looking at what we can do, not what we can't do or what we didn't do. And so this idea of having this quality of mind where we have generosity, we have a loving kindness, we have compassion, we have this uh, desire for understanding or wisdom is really, really important. And one of the things that, that I was gun-shy about when I first came around here was ambition and measuring my performance <laughs> and meditation. But, you know, you have to do it. You have to know, okay, am I more, do I have more faith than I had before? Am I able to sustain effort more than I was before? Am I more poised? Am I getting wiser? If, am I getting to understand not so much uh, things but ourselves, how our mind-body process works, how we are causing suffering for ourselves or others, how we can be, create peace, how we can create this uh, connectedness, how we can create safety for each other, how we can get beyond the illusion of separateness and be able to, um, to go out of our center and to engage or encounter someone other than ourselves in a way where there's going to be anxiety. There's no way around it because you can't trust without vulnerability. But it's only by being vulnerable that we get this more strength and we're able to connect and we're able to do things. So, so this idea of sustaining effort has everything to do with the mental energy, getting rid of the hindrances so we can just be present and then continue to move forward. And even when we make mistakes, not if, but when we make mistakes, is an ability to have that space where we can just observe it uh, uncritically. Mindfulness can help us do and say, okay, when I do that, that's, that doesn't work. So when I have a wholesome mind state like compassion, love, um, curiosity, interest, that the results are positive, hmm, light bulb goes off. Maybe there's something to that. Maybe that's the first thing I should look at is how am I, what mind am I using when I'm meditating? Because I'll tell you, I was here for a long time, and I struggled. And at some point, a little 
little voice in my head said, dude, you're making this way too complicated. It's real simple, man. It's just really simple. Just be still and know. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> you know, and just watch things with, from this relaxed receptivity and understanding, having the mindfulness, but also having the understanding, what am I doing? So I have clearly knowing what I'm doing. What I, when I meditate, what's the right idea? What's the right intention? What's the right view? And so that as we're able to do that, then, we, then I can see that, okay, I can sustain activity. And even though I'm making mistakes, can I look at those mistakes as opportunities for growth? That's interesting. And so we do this. And then when we can't and we stop, can we get back up and start over again? And so this idea of sustained attention is really important. And I was reading, uh, reading this book, uh, a couple of books. One of the things I do, I read a lot. Um, and this one book I was reading, it talked about Actually, it, it talked about four ways of um, how to develop persistence. And one way it talks about is a definite purpose backed by a burning desire for its fulfillment, or an intense burning desire. Because interestingly enough, when you have an desire, it really makes a difference. Now in here we think, oh, you're having a desire, you can't have that. Well, I'm not, it's not that kind of desire. It's a desire for freedom, it's a de desire for for safety, but at some point you have to let go of that. But initially, you got to have something, some motivation. If you don't get the heart involved, and I don't know how you get the heart involved if it's not something you want or desire or it's not uh, compassion or it's not courage or not for the greatest good. There's got to be some motivating factor in there. So when you have a burning, intense desire with the intention of succeeding, that makes a huge difference. Now, when I first came around here, my motivation was what I call AOF, and yet, excuse me, it's called ass on fire. <laughs> My ass was on fire. I didn't come here because I was cool or I was intellectual. I came here because I was in a lot of pain, and that's what got me here and got me going. And then at some point, you get here, and then you start to be you know, a little bit competent, and now you're just chilling. You don't have that same sense of urgency. And then you go into that boredom or, you know, you're just kind of showing up, becoming mechanical and whatnot. And then I had to realize that the joy of discovery, this idea of one, this one author talks about two, two ways of developing enthusiasm or two key ingredients in enthusiasm is learning. And this is what I came to, learning for learning's sake, the joy of discovery so you start learning things and you start understanding, well, what is this mind-body process? How does that work? How can I, when I meditate, what happens when I meditate with a wholesome mind state? Oh, I don't struggle so much. That's interesting. And you start to learn, and then the more you learn, the more, uh, more enthusiasm is there to learn because there's a joy to learning. There's a benefit to learning or seeking wisdom. I call, one of the games I'm playing is pursuing wisdom and uh, um, Excellence and wisdom with grace and ease. So I start to study excellence, start to study wisdom. And what happened is you achieve things, you start to understand, oh, this is how things work. And that's the ultimate stress reducer, is understanding how, how it works. Okay, so when anger is in my mind, uh, I'm probably not going to say the right things. I'm probably not going to see things the right way. But if I know how to let go of the anger or use the anger to marshal to change in some negative habit, that could be interesting. 
And so it's this whole idea of understanding that, yeah, this is what we're, we're, we're up to, is just looking at how we are seeing things, how we are, how we are what we call word, thought, or deed around here. What we're saying, what we're thinking, and what we're doing. That those things have to be, we have to be able to reflect and say, is that harmful to me? Or is it harmful to somebody else? And if it's harmful to me or somebody else, it's not to be done. If it's harmful for me but not to the other person, it's not to be done. If it's harmful for the other person or not to me, it's not to be done. It's to, that idea of getting along beyond the illusion of separateness and, and only engaging in those activities that's wholesome and for the, greater, the greatest good, the greater good. So that also requires that I what? That I have to get out of self-interest on some level. <coughs> That if it's all about me, I want to conquer, I want to do that, well, that's a certain energy. But if I want to do it because I want to take, you know, I'm doing it for the greater good for the group or I'm doing it for some altruistic reason, that motivation is really important. And so we start to understand that. Does this make any sense, what I'm saying? So one way to sustain the effort is to be, to have a future or have, an, have a view, a vision, a possibility where you can't wait to get to it. You know, and that's the thing with kids. You watch kids, man, they got it. And then we take it from them at some age. I don't know what happens when they, we try to tell them how to be, but when they're young and they're little, man, they can be in there, they got a little shaker, they can mess with that for two hours and still be happy. <laughs> you know, when they learn how to walk, they don't, you don't see them falling down and looking around to see who saw them fall. They don't do that. They just get up and they keep doing it. So there's something about this learning, and I think what happens to us is because, okay, we graduate from college or whatever, then we, we stop learning. But there's no interest. We say, okay, we've been through school. Thank goodness for that. Instead of realizing, no, life, we can learn until the time that we die. And even in the last out we can still learn. So this idea of learning for learning's sake, the joy of discovery, can be really exciting. And Socrates talked about it in terms of uh, wisdom begins in wonder. And so this enthusiasm, that spirit within, is learning how to learn, saying, what is this? Bringing this quality, and this is one of the, the uh, factors of awakening, is uh, interest, investigation. You know, what is this? Curiosity. So this is what we can do. This is all about the attitude. It's all about we get to choose this. What we call skillful means around here. So we start to look at, well, what kind of mind am I operating with? And you can try when you're meditating. Instead of meditating and just being with what is, about doing some something that makes you happy. Think about something. Or this guy Sean Court talks about the happiness advantage. Think of three new things to be grateful for each day. Or you read something, some literature, some positive literature before you sit, and see if that makes a difference. We know all the research says that. That when people think good things, they, they, they do better, and, and exams and everything, they, they do this priming. They could have somebody, they could have you do something in a way where if, if it changes, makes your mindset negative, when you go into a situation and you will interrupt people, you'll be rude. But if you, but if you uh, have a positive exam, a positive mindset or a positive um, memory, then it changes, you see things differently. And so you don't have to take my word for it, just check it out. But the sustained effort is helpful if we have a goal, we want something so bad, you know, we want it bad enough, not to the point that we violate all the precepts. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in a way where it's a healthy uh, kind of uh, looking forward 
excitement, enthusiasm for learning something or, or knowing that what we're doing matters, that we're alleviating suffering. And I don't know if you notice it, but one thing, if you didn't learn anything about the last election, is that there's a lot of people who feel disenfranchised. And so how are we going to deal with them without making them other? And talking about, okay, so we have to have some conversation. Maybe we need to talk about how to be how to value differences and how to realize that we're not separate, that we are our brothers and sisters keepers on some level and that we can relate to situations like that. So I don't want to talk a lot more. Um, there's a lot more that I could say, but I'd rather have interaction because I'm sure some of you are, have some challenges around sustaining effort or feel like uh, you might get stuck or some of you might be doing really well and you want to share that with us. That's cool too. So, um, so I'll end the the my part of it and I'm very interested in hearing what you have to say okay thank you for listening to learn how you can support the teachers and dharma seed please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate